Your attention, please. Paul and Alex are required to proceed to the gate immediately. What? No way. What is happening here? This is the last call for the Layovers podcast. Really? Come on, man. This is our thing. We got this. Oh, yeah. And we made it. Of course, geeks. Flight 95 to YYZ. YYZ, Lester Pearson International. In Toronto. <laughs> what a city. Have you been what? there? No, never. Man. It really, did you like it? I loved it. I was not excited about going. I was, I don't know, I just didn't feel anything about it. But I really dig that city. Oh, okay. So, well, now one more on my list. Has it the same feel than New York? Well, there's this unfair characterization that Toronto is New York if it was run by the Swiss. But, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think that that's fair, but it is clean. It works well. It's got a lot of character. I really, really liked it. It's one of my favorite discoveries in a long time. Oh, that much. Okay. Well, wow. That means I really need to go. As you guys know, I've actually never set foot in Canada in my entire life. Besides, I think in an airport just to do a layover, but that was not YYZ. It will also get to YYYZ. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, Y. YYZ. YYYZ. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's start. Tons of travels. I think we've done, if we combine our uh, travels, 10 airports over the last two weeks. After wow. a month of saying that we're not traveling, this is the complete opposite. Yeah. <laughs> you've, been, you've done quite a journey. Uh, I've done, I think, a little bit less of a complicated journey, but also quite some with interesting uh, airlines, testing new airlines that we've uh, never done, either of us. But let's start with... Uh, happy birthday happy birthday to airbus 50 years of airbus 50 years that's pretty amazing isn't it yeah it is and have you seen the pictures of their formation they went with a 220 319 neo 330 900 350 1000 380 and the beluga yeah so cool so cool <laughs> i i would love to have seen that in person me too i'm sure you guys have seen the pictures on on twitter or facebook etc there was all these pictures really cool and a happy birthday airbus they uh, celebrated as well the delivery of their 12,000th aircraft, which was an A220-100 to Delta Airlines. 12,000? <laughs> That's a lot, right? I'd love to know how many of those are still in service. <laughs> well, probably quite a few. You you flew, uh, what was it, uh, a 321 by Swiss that was like 55 years old. <laughs> last, uh, <laughs> Talking about the E220, we had mentioned that uh, Airbus was augmenting, revamping a little bit of the program since it's acquired it from uh, Bombardier. They've actually increased the maximum takeoff weight by 2.3 metric tons, which enhanced the maximum range uh, by 450 nautical miles. What does that mean? It means that now this plane, the 220, could do routes between Western Europe and the Middle East um, from Southeast Asia to Australia, for instance. That's going to open up a lot of opportunities. Yeah, they have uh, 530 orders, I think, right now, and they're expecting to sell at least 7,000 of these aircrafts over the next 15 to 20 years. And uh, in the U.S., since you were in the U.S., Alex, I mean, you were in North America, Delta and JetBlue are your best chances to fly it. And in Europe, currently, obviously, Swiss and uh, Air Baltic. And talking about us, some reviews, I, I'm so sorry, guys. We try, we aim at always trying to 
you know, every time you guys send us a message to try to mention it, we don't have time to do that. But usually I don't miss any of them. Well, I tried a new tool to survey all the worldwide iTunes, Apple Podcasts reviews. And holy cow, I've missed a lot, actually. My previous tool was only surfacing some of them. We had, uh, and I'm not going to be able to actually mention you all, but sorry that we missed. We had reviews, Alex, from Mexico, from India, wow. stuff from Canada, stuff from Africa. I also learned that we're number one podcast in Brunei, in Qatar, in Botswana, in the UAE. In <laughs> they're like, wow, I didn't realize we were so successful in some of these places. Um, so sorry, guys, I didn't mention I picked up two just to be nice. Uh, the first one from Mexico, I like the show very much. You talk about everything planes, airports, five stars from Mexico, and another from India. Great podcast helps transport me to the air when I'm stuck in traffic in Bangalore. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> And uh, adds that we should fly to Bangalore. Yeah. Have you ever flown to Bangalore? No, I've never been to Bangalore. I have uh, many friends who've been there. They tell me they're actually pretty cool. Uh, Two more recent reviews run from Canada from Zookeeper134. I guess he could be, she says that he needs more of our podcast, five stars. Our podcast is the best. Trust me, I try to listen to others and it's a waste of time. I mean, I don't know about that. (laughs) You're the only ones I listen to, so you better start recording more or it's going to get boring out there. Seriously, you guys rock. Well, uh, we try our best, but thank you so much. And uh, Hershberg61 from the US, five stars. Finally listen to all 93 episodes and can't wait for more. Oh, my God. Wow. You, you have some dedication, man, to be listening to for 93 times in a row. Talking about stuff that we might be missing in the future, have you seen that Google is sunsetting the Google Trip app? Yeah, such a frustrating habit of theirs. I mean, I understand that <laughs> that they need to you know, allocate resources and all that, but... It just seems to be they do it. Maybe I'm only hearing about the stuff I'm interested in, and they do it with lots of products. But Google yeah. Reader, of course, was such a oh man. Yeah. I was so disappointed to see that go. And then Google Trips, it was good because it was it was simple, and of course, being Google, super fast. Yeah, exactly. The speed is like Google Flights. It's a bit strange that they're doing this because it's at the same time that they announced that they're going to invest way more into travel. So the travel segment of Google already today accounts for 15% of their revenue. 15. Wow. That seems high, but maybe that's true. Wow. I believe I it. I, I believe yeah. it. I think more and more people are using Google Flights. It's what I recommend almost always. So the app disappears, but now what already existed for few of you as mobile web will now be rolled out everywhere. So now if you go on the web, your desktop or any mobile, you'll see something called also trips but it's not an app and it has google flights we mentioned it in the previous episodes google flights google destinations everything 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 the one thing that i am a little bit sad about and this is why i wanted to mention the disappearance of the app is that this is not offline how do you do when you're in an aircraft Mm. looking for your hotel name that you need to fill on the immigration paper they give you if you don't have wi-fi you cannot use google thus you'll rely on tripit and others this is where an app is actually useful no absolutely so did you have to fill any papers to get into joburg no Uh, (laughs) joburg airport i hadn't been there in quite a long time i'd been to cape town a few times but well last time i was in joburg it was under massive renovation and it seems to have a finished and b been pretty successful because that airport was 
There's a breeze to go through. So maybe let's start with this. Tell us the routing. We're going to segment it, obviously, for the show. But tell us the entire routing because it was everything in one go, right? You started in London, yep. went to South Africa. So tell us which airport you hit. London, Joburg, a few hours in Joburg, and then to George, which is uh, on the garden route. And I was there for a night and then back to Joburg and up to London and straight over to New York and up to Toronto. Three days in Toronto, then back to New York and back to London. <laughs> I mean, at least there's no real jet lag with uh, Joburg from London, so that was not the problem. So which airlines did you did you fly? I did BA in a 380 down to Joburg, and that was great. I mentioned this to you, actually, I think, on the ground. The first class lounge in Heathrow, the food is so much better than it used to be. Oh, yeah. You're, we're finally seeing that Doe Co. Uh, influence, or not even influence, it's their product. But it is really, really good. <laughs> like delicious all around. It used to be just awful, but it's uh, it's really good now. Really good. <laughs> and how was the experience in a 380? Yeah, fine. I, I had uh, an outside seat, which I'm not a huge fan of, meaning well, the aisle seat. So you always feel quite exposed, but no, it was fine. The crew were, were, were excellent. And I got to know them quite well because they were the same crew on the way back up, but I'll, I'll come to that in a second. <laughs> the, yeah, the crew were, were super friendly and the experience was fine. I was really surprised actually because I got on and I had dinner, which was okay. And then I just, I slept and slept and slept to the point where The flight attendant, because they now, I don't know if you experienced this, but now they give you this breakfast card and you fill out whether you want full breakfast and they say they'll wake you, I think it's an hour, hour and 20 minutes before landing, or you can just opt for a beverage and then it's 50 minutes and then don't wake me until the last minute and then it's 40 minutes. I just wanted a coffee. When we landed, the flight attendant that was in my area said, I'm really sorry. I just couldn't wake you. I couldn't. I was that like <laughs> out for the count. And we were like at 20,000 feet before I was like, oh, my God, I need to get my act together. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was <laughs> that. I think that's a that's a good thing. I mean, it's yeah, yeah, it reasonably is, comfortable seat. The only thing that bothers me is this new white company bed linen it's so faffy because there's like a there's like a, <laughs> a a cover you put on the seat and then there's a a, a thin blanket and then there's a blanket over that and it's like oh my god there's so many bits and pieces just give me a flipping duvet and let me be done with it <laughs> yeah over engineering right it was i think it was trying to be a little bit too fancy and it just it was just more problems than it was worth quite frankly how was the transfer at joburg yeah again really really easy did you have to transfer i mean i've never been to joburg so did you have to transfer from an international to a domestic thing or yeah pretty much was it you, was it easy or? yeah it was it was very easy you you go through immigration and i think if you if you had bags you would collect them because i was not going on a ba affiliate or anything like that And it gave me a chance to kind of stretch my legs and get over to the to the other area where there was a lounge, but I didn't end up using it. There was um, just an, a, a nice airy terminal to stretch my legs, having been on a plane through the basically to the other end of the planet. I went from terminal A to terminal B, and it was it was easy. It was nice airy terminal, decent food options. I'm sure that those of you that pass through Joburg frequently are probably. Going, what the hell is he talking about? But for a first-time <laughs> visitor, it was it really was fine. It was more than adequate. <laughs> And because that's for me the bit that I really want to know, because I know the name of the airline, but to go to George, what's the name of the airport actually? I have no idea what the name of the airport is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <It's... laughs> I went on Kalula, 
which... Uh, so what is Kalula? When you said Kalula, I'm like, is he talking about a drink? Yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, I think that the name of the airline is Kalula.com. But they, everybody just calls it Kalula. It's a low-cost carrier that's owned by Comair, which in okay. turn is a regional affiliate of BA. So it was very weird to see 737 oh, BA colors. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But, but Kalula, I think they've been around for about 20 years, and they're... They're kind of the easy jet of South Africa. Oh, I see. But they also have they also have this airline, Safair, which our, our friend Kobus is a big fan of. Kalula was the people on the ground were very friendly. The boarding process was was very sensible. That you can buy this thing called the Q Jump, and that allows you to, <laughs> to just get ahead. It's like speedy boarding on EasyJet. Yeah. But other than that, you line up against the wall to the gate and then you're boarded very promptly. The plane was like maybe five years old, 737-800. It felt very tired on the interior, but fine for an hour and a half to George. The service was not brilliant. I mean, just they were just they were just going through the motions and I get it, you know, on a turn like that. Yeah. It was a pay, you know, you buy your buy snacks and drinks and all of that. I didn't I wasn't hungry. I had something on the ground. Weirdly in South Africa, and I don't know if this is a Kalula policy, I'd be very interested to hear from anybody else, Kobus and Rich, if, if you're listening, or anybody else in South Africa. I was told unequivocally to take my headphones off as part of the landing checks. Twice. Your own headphones? They were my own headphones, yeah. Big over-the-ear ones? Well, or? I experimented. <laughs> <laughs> so initially, yes, and then I used my AirPods. Same deal. Take them out. And from a safety perspective, I thought... I can kind of see that, but not taking my headphones off was the same level of of infraction as having my seat reclined on my tray table down. It was just not going to be excused. I've seen that only in Japan, I think. I think uh, when I was flying, I know Starflyer did that, but uh, probably JALF domestic, they were insisting on me removing my my headphones. And uh, I mean, I complied or whatever, but it's true that I've not seen that anywhere else yeah. i understand why maybe you need to be completely in focus for in case anything happens but it's not something that i've seen a lot of airlines actually ask you to do no they were and it was on both flights which i thought okay. was was kind of interesting but yeah i mean they they got me there safely it was a very interesting and beautiful flight uh over south africa george is right on the ocean there on the garden route so you have nice. a, a beautiful approach into into what is a a small but functional airport. I think it's quite a popular airport because it's it's very, very easy. You land on the tarmac or pardon me, you taxi and park on the tarmac and then you walk across the tarmac to this very small terminal, I think with one baggage carousel. But it's lovely walking across the terminal. <laughs> so so they're not doing like Innsbruck. They're not providing you a no. bus for <laughs> God no. And actually Just... <laughs> George Airport is home to a big Chinese flight training facility. Oh. I think Beijing or Spring Air or one of those uh, Chinese airlines have their their Abinishio training base where they, the pilots go for 12 months from from zero to commercial license and and instructor. 
So it was okay, neat cool. to see that. And the only re- clue I had to that was we taxied past a building that was a flight school, but then everything was also written in Chinese. And so I did a little digging and found that out. How was the the seat in Kalula and the leg room and everything? Um, you have like a it, nothing to write regular. home about, but it was it was more than comfortable. No okay. Wi-Fi, no IFE, nothing like that. I think there's Mango, which is South African Airways low cost carriers. They're a big competitor, and there's other airlines, Safair, who neither of whom I've experienced, but. It seemed fine. I wouldn't go out of my way to fly them again, but I don't think you have a huge amount of options between between those guys. The three. Yeah, I was I was about to say that the, the reason you chose them was because uh, it was good for the timing, and that's it was, pretty much exactly, it. Exactly, it was good for the timing. Somebody else booked it for me. Oh, I but, see. But I mean, looking at the schedule, there wasn't a huge um, amount of service there. So there's Mango Kalula, Safair. And then Airlink, which is a South African Airways regional carrier, and this and Semair, which I think is either cargo or charter. I'm not sure, but yeah, George is growing like crazy as an airport. They have about a million passengers a year, up from like about half that seven or eight years ago. Okay, wow. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it was cool. Very cool. And did you did you since it's a you said affiliate for BA? Did you get any miles for that, or are you not sure yet? <laughs> I think I will get Avios. I don't know okay. if I'll get tier points. Okay, well, there's that. Yeah, Why not? Better than <laughs> yeah. And uh, on the way back, so you took the same. Was it as easy to transfer at Joburg? And how was the flight back to London? Same situation? Yeah. I mean, I mean you mentioned the same crew, obviously, same flight. <laughs> well, interestingly, um, I learned a, a valuable lesson at George Airport because it is small. And I thought, well, I'm, you know, there's not going to be a lounge here because it's microscopic. And I went and had, you know what I had? I went to Wimpy, which I haven't been to <laughs> because generally it's terrible. But they were so sweet there. And I just had a cup of coffee, but they had full tarmac views and Wi-Fi and all that stuff. Nice. But then, of course, as I go to the, through security, there's a flipping lounge. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, you know, I'm actually glad I didn't spend too much time in there because it was small and, and not brilliant. And you walk through onto the tarmac and, and onto the plane. Yeah, Joburg was fine again, very easy. And you actually come through a separate security screening front when you're tra- when you're transiting. As a, for those of you that have been through security in the main Joburg International Terminal, know that it can be a little bit of a cluster. But this was took me. I was only the person in the queue for this other side. It was great. You're a VIP, basically. Well, no, I think everybody was. I, you know, <laughs> I know, there, I know. <laughs> there was hardly anybody there. It was great. But the BA lounge is closed for six months. Oh. And so they're using this. It's quite complicated because first class passengers get to use this lounge. I can't remember the name of it, but apparently it's absolutely outstanding. You can't get in with any of the, the like priority pass or anything like that. And you can't get in even if you're gold. It's just for BA first class. Wow. The lounge that I was able to go in through being BA gold or business class was one that Singapore Airlines use and a few other Emirates, I believe. And it was it was very crowded because of BA and also Singapore Airlines, their flight was like nine hours delayed. And ended up being canceled, Ouch. so it was absolutely rammed. But I, Joburg Airport, it must have been. They've gone through this massive renovation. It's really not so bad anymore. Oh well, good. Yeah. And so you were welcomed like a yeah, hero. Yeah, because they, same- <laughs> I got on the flight. I think I was the first person to board, and all of them were looked at me. They're like, "Oh my God, welcome back! What are you?" What? And then they looked at me like, "Wait, <laughs> you're mental. Why don't you come all this way just for a day?" But then, of course, I was like. One of the family, and it was, 
It was inside jokes and banter. And actually, I had a fascinating conversation with the same flight attendant who looked after me on the way down about how they're rostering because they're mixed fleet. So she worked the 787-8, but not the 9, or maybe the other way around. Either way, she only worked one style, the A380 and A319s and 20s, which I thought was really interesting. So she was all over the place and uh, was going to San Jose for the first time. So we were trading notes about that. But it was just a really interesting insight about how they're they're rostered and how they're scheduled and the types of airplane that they fly. But again, a very, very strong service on BA. Interestingly, on all of my BA legs recently, down to Geneva and on these Joburg, I was never greeted by name. No one ever came up to me and said anything. And thinking back on it, it only seems to happen when I'm not in business. I flew BA a few times as well, short haul only. In general, I don't, I don't need to be you know, singled out and hello, welcome back. That's so nice of you. It didn't happen. And twice I was in business class. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, th- yeah. I think it only happens when you're not in business or that's what I've experienced. I, I, I have a, an economy flight coming up, so I'll let you know. Yeah, maybe you actually stand out where you're in economy. You're I think really that like might a, be what it is. I think yeah. that might be what it is. But yeah, right. nothing. Yeah. I mean, the, the business class cabins on the A380s are so huge. Yeah. That I, you know, that I can kind of <laughs> But they, they, would, they would spend like half of the flight just greeting passengers because everybody has gold or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We'll do the, the transfer at Ethro because you actually had to transfer at Ethro after. Let's take a little break for a few news and then we'll go back to the rest of your, uh, of your flight. Since we're in BA, that new pricing for seats, man, what the hell? Yeah, BA have introduced this extraordinary price hike for picking your seat if if you don't have status. It's a lot of money. So it's aircraft dependent, meaning that, so it's seat dependent and aircraft dependent. So if you're traveling business class, these are the examples I found. I didn't find any examples for first class because these are not actually rolled out. They were just announced. If you are flying a 380, like Alex just did, and you want a window seat, so A or I don't remember, was it was K, what is the other side? Do you pay more than if you have these AL seats, but on the sides of where the windows are? And of course, the price is even less if you're under center seats. But the AL seats of the center, the four center seats, is 242, are also more expensive. Basically, if you don't pay, you're going to get allocated by chance. And chances are, obviously, you will be put right in the middle of the seats that nobody actually wants. Yeah. But the thing when I say it's aircraft dependent is that the pricing is not the same as an A380 that it is on a 747 that it is on a Dreamliner. You have multiple pricing and also depending of how in front of the aircraft you are. So literally every seat has a different price. If you want to be really, really like row, let's call it one, if there's no uh, first class, it will be more expensive than if you're in the back of the plane. Interestingly as well, they have not announced, they have said they will create another special set of pricing for upper deck 747. They don't say how much that will be yet. My guess is that will be very expensive. One thing that they haven't said and that is, to me, the, the most, because we both are gold on BA. They haven't said how does it work, because as gold, you can pre-select your seats, not pay much in advance. If you're a silver, you have, a, I think, a lesser window 
window, if you're bronze, a much lesser window, and if you have nothing, you just either pay or wait for your seat to be allocated. They do not say if there will be a differentiation for people like you and me having status compared to people who don't. But I think that overall, you already pay so much for business class. Why the hell would you augment that? Just hike the price. It's a fake hike price, basically. Just they don't want to augment the fair price, so they just ask you, because, yeah, I should have said that. The prices of these seats, some of them are there was an example on a 380, I think. Now I don't have it in front of me. Some of the seats were $150 per seat. We're not talking $10, guys, right? No, it's a staggering amount of money. And I think, as you say, that's the slap in the face is that you've already paid a ton of money for business class. To be asked to pay more to select your seat further than 24, 24 48 hours out is just obscene. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm kind of amazed that they haven't had more backlash about this. I know that there was some angry blog posts from some pretty influential people, but maybe because it hasn't rolled out and we haven't heard reaction from the flying public yet, but it's just ridiculous. We'll probably both experience that when uh, these changes are rolled out and we'll see what happens with our status it will trigger. But overall, I think that I'm always, and that's the same for Swiss when you took it for the throne seat. I understand why they would, you know, have the throne seat more expensive. But I think that when you pay already, I mean, we don't always pay ourselves. We have clients, but let's say you pay, let's say 2,000, 4,000 pounds, dollars, whatever. Then they ask you 200 more for a seat. You're like, come on, guys. Yeah. I mean, I've already... It feels like nickel and diming, which is unfortunately becoming BA's MO. One thing I should add about my, before I forget it, on my BA flight up from Joburg is that I had Wi-Fi. Cool. And it was very reasonably priced, very fast, very easy to use. It was really good. Was it like a limited amount of megabytes? No, it was fair use. That's how it should be, man. Yeah, it was fair use and you could pick two speed tiers. And yeah, and I had it on my flight up from Geneva. Again, it was really easy. It was really easy to use. They don't shout about it. They don't make any announcements. There's no little insert in the in the seat pocket. It's just there. I was impressed. It worked really well. Yeah, I had a short haul as well with the Wi-Fi, and you're right. There was no inserts. Yeah, I didn't realize that. You're right. They're just there. Is it, yeah. is, it, is, is it because it's just waiting for it to be rolled out? I think print so. the things, you know, but they don't, like you said, they don't even announce it. Usually airlines will say there's Wi-Fi provided on this flight, la, 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 and we'll be set up when we reach 10,000 feet or something. They don't even say it. Nope. You're right. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> but it works. It does It does work. Yeah. I know that for some people, especially living in the US, we're talking about Wi-Fi, like, uh, where are you guys? Are you doing 1945 talking yeah. about Wi-Fi? Because, you know, but yeah, for us, it's it's actually something. Um, British Airways has also announced and then seemingly backtracked and then said they never actually announced it. These flights, they wanted to mark their 100th anniversary. We all know that they're going through this because you've been hearing us guys. By flying uh, 747s from uh, London, to Manchester, Newcastle, and Glasgow, basically flying these big birds for 20 minutes. A lot of anger from environmentalists saying that this is crazy. Why would you do this? And then basically BA said, uh, we actually never announced it and uh, we're not planning to do it. But uh, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah. still people bought, I think the tickets were 400 quid, uh, 400 pounds uh, return. And all these flights were obviously full, so now I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I, I get both sides. I mean, of course, flying, especially these 747s, were not the most uh, environmentally friendly planes for 20 minutes. Is maybe not the same time. I also get that, you know, it's a 100th anniversary. These are special flights. It's just one or two flights. 
I don't know where. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it seems <laughs> like uh, a lot of brouhaha for nothing in the end because they're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it was really, it was really fun how they seemingly had announced it and then they basically no, but we never did actually. Yeah. Uh, these these were rumors that you guys thought. Yeah, but then why everybody bought flight? Yeah. I, anyway, um, United because we're going to go in the U.S. with Alex in a few. United as uh, demonstrating since we're talking about reducing the carbon footprint of aircraft. We know we both are guilty of uh, not saving the planet, Alex and myself, by flying that much. Yeah. So jet fuel accounts for 99% of the carbon footprint of a flight, right? I mean, all the rest that airlines are doing, which is great, removing single-use plastics and you know all the rest is, at the end of the day, minimal compared to the jet fuel. So we mentioned it years ago, the use of biofuels. And United has done one flight where they mixed uh, biofuels. By the way, I don't think aircrafts can fully fly on biofuel yet. You still have to mix mix it with uh, jet fuel. But they were able to reduce uh, carbon emissions by 60%. So it's not, uh, it's not bad, actually. That's you know, pretty extraordinary, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? And, of course, during that flight, that it happened on June 5th. The tray and everything, everything was recyclable and compostable tableware. There was no single-use plastics. The one thing, interestingly, the one thing they did, they wanted to switch to reusable silverware that we have in business class sometimes. But they calculated that because it is heavier, it actually uses more fuel to use reusable silverware, and the carbon emission would be much worse by having more weight in the plane compared to using. That's um, interesting. <laughs> it's just, so, so it's so sometimes you know the little details actually do matter. Anyway, yeah. it's and the, the the one thing that they've also done, which is not possible yet at scale, is having the pilots use every possible technique to optimize efficiency. I mean, we know that it's possible, and pilots know how to do it is just that because of air traffic management you cannot always you know navigate your way out of the said route to avoid for instance you know winds or weather or for instance one of the things that apparently is very good for reducing the amount of carbon emission is to go to cruising altitudes more slowly you take a long 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 time to get there instead of just pushing to reach the 35,000 feet so they did that on that flight but they know it as long as air traffic management is modernized, this won't be possible. But it's interesting that they tried. Yeah. You know, I'm all for this type of experimentation because it's very easy to dismiss this stuff as kind of PR. I don't think it is. I think no, I don't think it is either. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that there's value here, both environmentally and, as you say, they're, they're identifying all of these cost-cutting issues that perhaps they wouldn't have uncovered had they not gone through this process in the first place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, and since we're on this, uh, you probably have seen this because it was quite striking. Air France and KLM are going to fund the development of a new type of aircraft. First of all, it's very strange because usually airlines do not themselves fund aircrafts. You know, it's Boeing or Airbus or someone, but not the actual airlines. It's the Flying V. Have you seen... This thing, it looks like these military aircraft, like a Delta. Because it's a V, which is empty in the middle, you'll be either on one side of the V or the other side. It's right. literally a V, like the letter. And they say we'll go for 20% cost savings into fuel, which obviously would be an incredible competitive advantage as well. Because if you use less fuel, well, suddenly you can reduce the price of the seats and then suddenly you crush the competition. And that's compared to modern aircraft the 787 and 350. I'm just really baffled that 
airlines, I mean, it's one airline, Air France KLM, would actually go and put money in. Have you ever heard of an airline actually trying to create their own aircraft? No, I mean, of course, airlines are very influential in the development process of new airliners through the manufacturer by, you know, giving their input. And the 747 arguably was created for Pan Am. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of an airline going and creating their own airline, often creating their own airline with themselves, especially for Air France KLM, who don't yeah. have a whole bunch of money at the moment. Yeah. This yeah. feels like something <laughs> the Emirates would do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the, the, the scaled-down prototype will be ready by October, so we're not talking about something very far in the future. That doesn't mean, obviously, that this aircraft will see the light of day for us, you and me, flying. Guys, look it up. Flying V. It looks cool. It does Honestly, look cool. Looks cool. The one thing that you and me will have a, more of a problem is that which window do we yeah, choose? Yeah, exactly. Because when you're one side of the V... I don't see a way to transfer to the other side of the V, so you have to be very careful. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Well, I'm excited to see this prototype. Same. So let's continue with your travel. So you pack at Heathrow and you have to transfer at Heathrow. We often have people telling us, listeners telling us that transferring at Heathrow is really not great. This is why they do not like Heathrow. How was your experience transferring at Heathrow? It was the one of the better experiences I've had because intra-terminal is easy, especially at T5 and to a lesser extent the other terminals but i was going from t5 to t3 because i was going across the atlantic on american and you have this process where you go down stairs at, at t5 to tarmac level instead of turning left with all of the other transferees and, and people arriving in the uk and if you're flying on american airlines you go through this pre-screening process where they actually ask you similar questions as they do when you're leaving tel aviv why are you going to – and I'm an American, so I, had, I was using my American passport. So I, I they asked, why was I going and uh, why was I in South Africa and all of that? It was all very friendly and pretty cursory. But then they put a sticker on the back for this security screening and, and you crack on. Were these two separate tickets? The no. George thing? They were – and- oh, Joburg – the internal South African flights were separate tickets, but – Joburg, London, London, JFK was on one ticket. Oh, I see. Okay. No, That's so quite the ticket, actually. That's quite the P&R right there. Yeah, wow. yeah. <laughs> and I didn't have my boarding pass. I can't remember why I didn't have it, but I didn't have a boarding pass. So they, they, they took care of that very easily. But Meaning so you flew the entire trip with your American passport then? Uh, no, you, you switch. switch passports. doesn't Oh, they matter. do accept yeah, that. Yeah, it, do, oh. it doesn't really matter. Okay, cool. So, yeah, then you, you board this bus and it takes you through the bowels of Heath throw under runways and taxiways and spits you out at terminal three where you then go through a secondary security screening pro- like you just full security and it was at that point <laughs> when i pulled out my ipad and realized that i had left my laptop on the airplane i have oh, wow. never ever left anything on an airplane before I'll tell you exactly where I left it, and I'm very sure that you know already where I left it. In the BA business class seat, there is this drawer at your feet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And usually it's where I put everything because when you're in the aisle, there's basically no other storage except for the overhead bin. But when you're in the window, you've got the side – on the upper deck, you've got the side storage lockers like you would on the upper deck of a 747. So I had stuffed all my stuff in there, except for my laptop. Like an <laughs> idiot. And the guy at security, he could tell the look on my face. He's like, you've lost something, haven't you? I was like, yeah, my laptop. 
I was like, well, how long do you have to your next flight? I said, three hours and 45 minutes, but it's on a remote stand, which I'll come to in a second. And he's like, you should be okay, but go to the desks. BA and American both have desks just past security. And I went to them and I, I explained the situation and they said, because I knew where it was in the airplane, they said, well, look, we'll call them up. It's going to be a while because the drivers haven't come on duty yet. We landed at like 4.50 a.m. Oh, yeah, we were the of course. First flight to land. And he's like, just have a seat over there. Took my information, took my details and said, as soon as I hear anything, I'll let you know. I said, is it okay if I go grab some food? He said, yeah, yeah it's going to be a while. So I went to the to the cafe lounge. I was steaming at this point. I was so angry at myself <laughs> because yeah, you sent me. I remember you were you were sending me messages, and it was like you, you not taking your laptop. I was so Alex. pissed off at myself. But the American flight I was going on was on a remote stand, which was weird. I'd never experienced, especially for long yeah. haul. So they they wanted you at the gate about an hour and a half before the flight was due to to depart. So I'm looking at my clock, going. You know, I don't have high hopes about this because it's BA and it's Heathrow. But I went to the cafe lounge, had an angry shower and some angry <laughs> breakfast, <laughs> and then went back. And as I po walked up to the desk, somebody appeared with my laptop. Oh, nice. And it was, it can't have been more than 45 minutes. And he also had my glasses case as well, which I had left <laughs> in there. So I would have been double boned. But he's like, what kind of laptop is it? He was kind of holding it behind his back. I said, it's a, what, what it was. And he said, okay. And I said, oh, my glasses. And he's like, what kind of glasses are they? And I described the glasses and he said, yeah. And then he, he wouldn't let me take the laptop until I opened it up and logged into it. Yeah, to show that actually. Which I yeah. appreciated. I thought that yeah. was that was really good. So a thank you a million to, to the BA staff at Heathrow for doing that in a very short period of time. I was really impressed by that. <laughs> So wow. Yeah. What a beginning of uh, like your trip to the so US. Stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I won't be doing that anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, lesson learned. So uh, how was AA? Good. Yeah. So I was on a triple seven two hundred ER, which is business I can't remember if they have premium economy, but there's no first class. So I was in two K in the business seat. And it's it's a really, really good business class seat. Very, very good, comfortable seat. Much much like Cathay's, except a much bigger screen. I think it's a very, very comfortable seat. I just was really, really impressed with it. And the service and the food was... The service was uh, was efficient, not overly friendly, but but with a smile. The food was really good. You get the ice cream sundae, which, uh, which is just fantastic. <laughs> Live TV, although the live TV and the Wi-Fi were not working on the flight because I guess there was some big satellite issue going on that day, and so okay. not only the internet was not working, but but neither was the uh, was the, uh, the six or seven channels of, of satellite TV they have. But I really like that product. It's it's one of my favorite business class products outside of the Middle East, and uh, the flight was like seven hours, something like that. But just a really impressive product all, all all the way around I, I really like it and i would absolutely pick that over ba's current business class product at every opportunity <laughs> so i well was alex was just saying that his eyes were rolling when he said ba's current business class product i was looking at the camera and his eyes were actually rolling well you know i said <laughs> I, I, I i it's not that bad obviously i had no, two good sectors that. down to to and from joburg but this is just better it's mm. private it's comfortable 
You've got so much storage. They give you B&O noise-canceling headphones as, as standard. So, I, yeah, I just – it was a good experience. Interestingly, Greg Barnes, who films Attaché with me, he was coming in on Norwegian. He was literally the, the flight that landed behind me at JFK. And we both noted it was really turbulent from about okay. 20,000 feet down. I think it was – Perhaps heat. I don't know if it was wind. I'm not sure what it was, but it was the fun kind of turbulence. It was really <laughs> rather. I, I like that kind of stuff. Uh, and so you know, coming into coming into JFK um, into what is prime. I think almost exclusively a terminal just for American Airlines. I was through immigration in 90 seconds, thanks to those wonderful machines, and then into the phenomenal American flagship lounge at JFK. Those lounges are so damn good. So yeah, I've never had a chance to experience them. I need to try them. I mean, um, I'm not going to the US until the fall, but I'm actively looking at AA because listening to you, Alex, yeah. now I'm pretty convinced by proxy. I need to fly I think, AA, I think you'd, else. I think you'll be impressed. I, I'm, I'm really impressed with those guys. The flagship lounges at JFK, they had a flagship lounge, which the entry requirements for their lounges are a little bit confounding to me. But because I'm One World Emerald, I was able to go straight in. Great views. Blazing fast Wi-Fi, quiet zones, really good food and drink. They should be very proud of those lounges because they're, they're they have long rows of desks where people can help you with with any flight issues. And of course, being America, you have to go through immigration and come back in. But it was super quiet for me, and I was in the lounge in, in no time and had a couple of couple three hours to to really enjoy it. So yeah, it's a good experience. <laughs> And I'm waiting for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly, getting from New York to Toronto, from JFK to Toronto, you'd think there would be more service, but it's Delta, Air Canada, and American, all on regional jet services. If it was me and I was doing it again, I would have flown into Newark so I could fly on Porter, who are excellent, okay. but yeah. I couldn't. So I flew on American. It was an Ember 140 at a remote <laughs> gate at, at JFK. Pardon me. It's a, it's a, it was a jet bridge. It was a remote gate at JFK. And I had my Travel Pro carry-on as well as my backpack. And they do this thing called valet service where you just, at the gate, they you check it and you put it on this cart right before you get on the airplane. And when you get off, it's there waiting for you. So it's not like yeah. checking a bag. It's just so you don't bring it on board. As I was walking onto the airplane, I I looked down the side because it was not a sealed jet bridge. And this airplane was in such <laughs> bad aesthetic condition. I have never, ever flown on a plane in such bad condition aesthetically. The, the paint wasn't just faded. It was chipped down to the metal. <laughs> like you could see the bare aluminum, aluminium of the, yeah. of the plane in multiple places. And I'm talking, you know, laptop-sized chunks of paint missing. God. The regional jet logo was completely faded. It was unbelievable, quite frankly. <laughs> I, I've never in all of my travels seen or been on an airplane in such <laughs> bad condition uh, on the outside. And when I got on board, it was – the seats actually looked pretty new. The plane itself was 17 and a half years old, which is neither here nor there. That's kind of so, middle-aged. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. The seat themselves were fine. 
But the like, I was sitting in the exit row in row eleven, and like the handles for the emergency exit were all hanging, coming out. Taxiing, it had a suspension of a New York taxi cab. Like you're, <laughs> you're like feeling every bump and jostle. The, there was there was a sole flight attendant, and weirdly the so it's one two configuration, and I was in the one. The two other seats were empty, and she's like, "Can you?" She was joking with me, and she was kind of like. 175 years old and uh, had clearly been doing this her whole professional life and just didn't really want to be there. But she took an instant shine to me and gave me snacks and all this stuff for free. But yeah, the flight flight itself was completely uneventful and very easy. And you get off in in Toronto at this weird concertinaed jet bridge, but it's like a, almost like a, like a folded down crane. There's no it's not connected to anything and it's not, it's not (laughs) stairs. It's like this ramp, which actually makes a lot of sense if you need to take a wheelchair on it and you grab your bag. But then I glanced back and the whole of the airplane was as in crappy condition as the rest of it. All the paint was peeling from the nose and all of that. It was, it was an Envoy Airlines, which is a a third party airline that American and other airlines use. But holy crap. Because you, you sent me the picture guys and I was like, what's going on right there? And then you added, it's Envoy Air on behalf of American Eagle, on behalf of American or something like that. I stopped listening halfway through. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I posted it as an Instagram story and got so many messages from people saying, that's obviously in a museum or in a in a boneyard somewhere, right? <laughs> and so I posted a full picture on Instagram going, to answer all your questions, no, it's not. It's a real airplane. I just flew on it and I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> Did you look at the history of the aircraft? Or it's always before? been owned by either American Eagle or Envoy. Uh, I, I, want, I was curious to know the science. I don't know actually how you can find that information, but that plane has been working hard for a long time, long time. <laughs> Gee, I, I wow. <laughs> so, so, and you landed with that, what, at YYZ? What, at, at Toronto, uh, yeah, at YYZ, yeah, at, Tor- at Toronto Pearson, okay. and you go, every time I've flown into Canada in the last three or four years, the immigration experience has been horrendous, and this was the <laughs> worst I have oh, God, ever, really? ever had in my life. There must oh, have shit. been... Well, there were well over a thousand people in the queue, and the way that they have the what? immigration hall lined up is they've they've done what what the U.S. has done, where you have these machines that do the pre-screening. You fill in a bunch of question yeah, yeah. and answers, and it spits out this little document which you then go and take to a immigration official, and they yeah. glance at it and ask you more questions or send you for secondary screening. The queue was so big that everything was just a mess of people, and you couldn't tell where. The queue for the kiosks started and finished and where the queue for the secondary screening came in. It took about nearly two hours to get through. And by this point, they were just waving people through. They just, you know, Uh, go, go, go. Where where are you coming from? Blah, blah, blah. Go, 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 go. It was horrendous. My brother flew in from San Francisco the following day on a red eye and there was no one in the immigration hall. So maybe unlucky timing. So yeah, we'd arrived with uh, several other international flights, but that that's still it's still inexcusable. I don't know. Yeah, because it's time management. They know where the aircraft are landing. Exactly. You, know, you just and add I, more a people. lot of the machines were failing and it was just <laughs> it was so badly managed. It was it was not good at all. So we'll do the actual airport at the end of the show, obviously. How did you fly back? Was it the same Envoy, American Eagle, AA something back yes. and then it was BA uh, or AA? It was in a slightly better condition. Okay. However, 
In 2012, it had its tail knocked off by an Eva Air 747 in Chicago, which was interesting. <laughs> how, how did you know that? I searched the, the tail number just the to see number. how old this one was. And, of course, the first <laughs> result that came up was this article about this collision, at, at which I'm I know we would have we we started the podcast after this, but yeah, in 2012, it had a pretty significant collision. It wasn't written off; it was repaired, and it was mm-hmm. it was fine. I was sat next to Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel Star David Boreanaz. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Who such a VIP? Yeah, yeah uh, he was sat in <laughs> row 11 with me, quiet. <laughs> he was with his kids, so I didn't bother him. But yeah, seemed nice enough. <laughs> I, I listened to his podcast and he was talking about this chap that seemed nice enough that's presenting, you know, attaché and doing a podcast on aviation. So probably, you know, he, he felt the same about you. My wife was teasing me <laughs> saying she was, he was probably begging me to ask what the most efficient way to get into town from JFK was, you know, <laughs> cheapest, fastest, best and all that. Um, so I, I turned off my phone after that. But <laughs> Um, I'll be your Sherpa. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I think he was going to the to the Raptors game in Toronto. But yeah, um, the cool thing was when you come into the U.S. from Canada, you do immigration in Canada, U.S. immigration oh, yeah. in Canada. So yeah. you just you're spat out into a into a domestic terminal in the U.S., which didn't matter because I was transiting to a international flight. But I didn't have to go through security on this side, actually, which was kind of cool. I think yeah. I can't even remember. But then back to the same lunch. Unfortunately, I had six hours in JFK, which was kind of boring. But there we are. <laughs> there we are. And then and then American premium economy on the way back, which was just a very good service. I slept the whole way. I didn't even – I was asleep by 10,000 feet and woke up right before we landed. So there was oh. very little to report on that flight. Yeah, because like I think I, I think I used that joke already like probably two years ago because as a baby, you slept uh, in in an airplane. So as soon as you step into an airplane, Alex, exactly. you sleep. I mean, I was, tw- twice in this year. See? It was a short flight, <laughs> six hours and 16 minutes. So uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was fine. That was fine. But I was uh, amazed actually because there was – Three, no, four American Airlines flights to London in the afternoon and evening, and I think at least three British Airways ones. And I was trying to get on an earlier flight. They were all absolutely full in every single class, all of them. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That proves how successful their route is. Yeah. Wow. So that that was quite an eventful journey. I mean, yep. and what's the name of Kalulaku? What's the name of the oh, Kalulu? Airline? Yeah, Kalula. I wouldn't go out of your way to fly. Them. <laughs> so I'll go to my own flights. Yeah, very in, in a minute. It's it's, it's really it's really uh, Alex and Paul talking about their flights uh, this episode. But a few a few news first, and and we forgot to mention that we are recording uh, Monday, June tenth. 2019 and I'll aim at releasing this very very quickly because we're already over two weeks since the last one but as you understood guys we're traveling quite a bit more these days and it's a bit harder but I'll try to have that ready by tomorrow the 11th uh, so since we're in the US Justin Rhodes on Facebook you remember I talked about Amsterdam transferring from paper to digital last time I flew that it's still the case now there are still some slots delays in Amsterdam because I, I was just there uh, two days ago and Justin tells us about US airports he says none of the US airports use electronic flight strips they still use old paper ones mm, wow. but he adds that the en route facilities use electronic uh, that's uh, interesting yeah it's creatively called the en route decision support tool EDST uh, <laughs> 
Thank you, Justin. I had no idea. So I didn't know now that the either. next question is: Will they actually ever move to digital? Probably at some point. Would, make, would make sense. Yeah, it would make sense. Since you were in New York, we talked two episodes in a row about Blade, that helicopter service uh, that you can take from uh, GFK to uh, Hudson Yards. Well, uh, Uber just announced its own service. They have Ubercopter coming in to New York from GFK as well. It would launch on July 9th. For the moment, so I, look, I use Uber a lot, but I didn't realize that you had tiers in Uber. And apparently you can be a Uber Platinum, Uber Diamond. These guys will have access from the get-go to the Ubercopter service. If you're not either, and I don't think I'm either because I've never signed into a rewards by Uber, you will have to wait, but they will expand it to everyone. And that will cost you, it will be, of course, priced, you know, like Uber does, depending on the time of day, around $200. So there you go. That's, you have another that's way to completely priced, yeah, to, to Blade. I'm very excited about this. Just for those of you that have traveled between JFK and New York or Manhattan, you know how absolutely horrendous it is. So this is wonderful that this is happening. It seems there are some environmental questions, but maybe someone who knows a little bit more about helicopters than I do can assuage my guilt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we started this show by talking about the 220. Mitsubishi, uh, we talked yeah. about Mitsubishi quite a lot, is in advanced discussion to acquire the entire CRJ program from Bombardier. Basically, here, Bombardier is being stripped down to pieces because everybody's buying a little bit of it. So, yeah, it could be that Mitsubishi goes for Bombardier and CRJ would be Japanese. Interesting. Yeah, they, Bombardier have said very clearly that they want to get completely out of the commercial oh. aircraft game and yep. just go with executive aircraft. So this is very interesting. That what I don't know what that means for the MRJ program, whether it just becomes another product in that suite and what they'll call it. But it does mean that they're going to bring back the de Havilland name, which is very exciting mm -hmm. to me. Yeah, because that's another company who bought the Dash 8 because Mitsubishi wants to buy the CRJ part of Bombardier and some other companies buying the Dash 8 aircraft program by Bombardier. I think it's Longview Aviation Capital Corporation. Yeah, yeah I, I, they... Probably a private equity, I guess, yeah. or something. <laughs> so instead of keeping the name Dash 8, the Q-Series, they want to revert to the Haviland, which is a great brand, they will be called, I don't know, the Avaland Dash 8, the yeah, Avaland cool. Q. I don't know. Uh, yeah, cool. The CRJ, actually, interestingly, I didn't realize that, but um, that was their first program, I think, back in the 80s when they acquired Canadair. From the Canadair, they created CRJ. I uh, think something like that. That sounds about right. Something like that. On the Mitsubishi's part, they're still overhauling the entire program of their own jet. We're still waiting for it. <laughs> But they've already decided that they will rebrand it. The new name of Mitsubishi's jet will be Space Jet. That's very <laughs> Japanese, isn't it? <laughs> so Alex's face react to that. Very Japanese. Yeah, it's very The Space Jet. But they are really putting all their resources into going into the smaller version of it, the version that could actually accommodate the scop closes and etc. in the US because that's where they want to head for. So we'll have both the Space Jet by MRJ and... The CRJ by MRJ, or the CRJ by MRJ, actually. I never realized it was so close yeah, to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and the Aviland by Longview. And, 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 and Embraer, since you flew on one that had its uh, paint uh, completely chipped off, the name could be disappearing faster than we think. Certainly for commercial aircraft, yeah. What Airbus did to Bombardier. <laughs> <laughs> the already Boeing, as part of the acquisition of Embraer commercial aviation arm, 
this arm is no longer called Embraer. The name has disappeared. It's still unclear when and if, it's probably it's a when, they will change the actual name of the aircrafts themselves. Currently, it's Embraer 190. Yeah. If the company itself is not called Embraer, I don't think it will be that long until it's called something 190, probably. Yeah, I think they're going to... It's interesting, actually, because Boeing used the number system as well. But the one, I don't know, B-190, is that what it's going to be? And the seven? B-Jet? Oh, yeah, the B-Jet. Yeah, maybe. Actually, maybe they go to a slightly different numbering system for that. I don't know, actually. Maybe four numbers, 7190? Oh, yeah, very possible. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. So, uh, what did I fly? I, fl- I flew a lot, guys, and I flew very interesting uh, airlines. One that will come is Ever Air, but I'll come in a little bit. Yeah. You're all expecting it, you right? <laughs> I first flew through to Sofia in Bulgaria from London. Uh, Sofia is always a great airport because you have all these old aircrafts on the, yeah, the airfield, right. you know, the, the Soviet Union aircrafts are slinging around there. So, nothing to write home about because I flew BA. It was a 321. It was not a 321neo, but it's a 321 with a new seat density. How I learned that is because, as you guys know, Alex and me are very anal about which seat we're going to choose in a flight. And the flight was almost completely full. And I was like, going, wow, which seat should I choose in the remaining ones on the seat map? And when I went to uh, both Seat Guru and there's other seat something online, none of the seat maps I was getting were mapping the one I had really? of BA. And I was like, what's going on here? So the exit row on seat map was 9 and 10, and the exit row on the BA website was 10 and 11. So I did a little bit of Googling, and as always, Flyer Talk had the answer. BA are densifying some of their aircrafts, adding more seats, so reducing the leg room. So that's why suddenly, even in business class, you have uh, less leg room. It goes to say that you should try to get the front row or uh, the emergency exits even more than before, <laughs> if you're tall like me. I got the what is now called 10. You know, on the 321, it's the second emergency exit. There's no seat in front of you. Right. You know, because it's a big door. So yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, that's you you feel like scene. in business class. Yeah. <laughs> One really fun thing is they've introduced e-passport gates to enter, but it feels like that uh, they've hacked this with old Soviet Union pieces. Oh, Honestly, no. it's absolutely... Just you look at them, you're like... Did they find those in a scrapyard? Oh, and no. then you, you put your passport on it, and it seems like, you know, there's a diesel engine starting off, <laughs> and then, like, uh, there's uh, some lights. And and I was literally in that thing, you know, in the gate for about, and I'm not kidding, four minutes until it cleared me. What? To the point, you know, I was looking around, where is the person who is, mon- there must be someone monitoring, yeah. because there's no way. He wasn't telling me, you know, please try again or please go to, you know, normal immigration because your passport cannot be read or something. It just took forever. So, guys, if you go to Sofia, maybe do not choose the e-gates. I chose them for novelty. I would have gone through the normal immigration and be done in 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Really not a good experience, honestly. I learned something. However, I mean, you've been to Sofia. I don't know if a lot of our listeners go through Sofia. There's a VIP terminal. I think we mentioned it when we talked about Sofia Airport. But what I didn't know, you can pay 50 euros, which is nothing, and you have the full VIP service, meaning you have your own lounge, 
and you have a car driving you to your aircraft. I did not know that. 50 euros. Wow. That would be kind of fun to do. <laughs> exactly. And it could be your, you have your own immigration and everything. So pretty cool. So I, I had a few days in Sofia and then I needed to be in Singapore. There's not a lot of options from Sofia and I didn't want to go back to uh, London. The good thing about flying from Sofia or a lot of Eastern European cities is that obviously you have often very good deals and I found a very good one on Qatar. I was to fly a 320 to Doha and then a 350 from Doha to Singapore with the Q suite. And I'll get there in a second, cool. a second time. First, I'm at Sofia Airport and again, they hacked something. You know, like it's the same in many airports, not London, but an airport like Amsterdam, Alex. When you exit your plane, you are belched out where people actually enter. There's no separation no. between people inbound and outbound you just you know you just choose your routing to exit the airport but you are mixed with everyone right so Sofia was like that but for some reason they decided they didn't want to do that anymore so now what they did they put like a simple like a like you know you have like his live gigs like a barrier in the middle of the <laughs> of the terminal <laughs> so the only problem with that system is that half of the gates are off limits so if you want to go to a gate which is odd numbered you have to ask for someone to basically push the barrier aside and try it makes no that doesn't sense any whatsoever <laughs> whatsoever guys I, I mean that's the weirdest really thing I've heard <laughs> no, I mean, I was literally, you know, I could see the gate and I was walking at some point, I should be able to. And I was like, man, I'm locked on the other side. And I, you know, my first thing is like, did I do something wrong yeah, yeah. entering the airport? Yeah. And I'm going back and I cannot find it. And then I ask a guy, he says, oh, yeah. And he just opens me the, the thing in the middle of the airport. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, the lounge situation is still bad at, at, at Sofia. Qatar Airways was telling me on their app, it's pretty well done. They tell you all the options of lunches you have at airports. And Sofia and they had a choice of two lounges I go to the one downstairs which uh, it's it's very strange to find because it's basically where you have customs but there's a lounge right there because I know that it's bigger the less people I arrive there and they say nope well you cannot this is not the Qatar lounge the Qatar lounge is upstairs and I show them the other like yeah but it says you have it says nope and then I look of course they were priority pass I'm like in priority pass yes you can enter sir I'm like this is just the kind of stuff I mean yeah, yeah. Sofia you feel you have it's almost as if you have to kind of tip your way in yeah basically. yeah and then they'll, they'll be happy to accept you yeah. anyway so uh <laughs> one thing there you know our friend mike butcher alex is the editor at large of TechCrunch, and he was in the same lodge as me he also had priority pass he was not flying guitar was flying back to london with ba but with something very strange happened i always assumed and alex i'm sure you agree with me i always assumed that if you miss the outbound plane So the first leg of a return flight, you cannot take your yeah, entire Yeah, I was always trouble. told that they would, in fact, BA told me this, that they would, if you missed the outbound, they would cancel the return. Exactly. Well, Mr. Mike was supposed to be with me with BA to fly there, missed his flight, but they accepted his return. He was able to go to the airport, check in, and he was in the flight. I don't get it. I don't get that either. <laughs> I'm like, I was literally saying, are you just lucky or I'm literally puzzled? Yeah. I've made some pretty uh, substantial decisions based on that fact. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> And he was I wouldn't want to risk, I wouldn't want to test it though. Uh, literally every step of the way, I was with him in the cab and he was checking in and I was like, they won't allow him. And they allow him. I'm like, okay. So then we go to the airport and we go to the, the dock check. 
for sure now they're going to tell him, no, you're not supposed to be here. Well, he goes in. So, yeah, and he was able to take his flight. Oh, well, I learned something. Yeah, well, yeah. now I want to dig into this more and understand <laughs> yeah. how it works. Yeah, me too. So I'm going uh, to Qatar, and it's a 320. So the first thing I do, like every Airbus, and I know you do that as well, Alex, I look at the door to find the age of the aircraft. I'm the first one to enter the aircraft, and I see the two flight attendants, the two female flight attendants, looking completely puzzled at me, like, what are you doing, sir? And I started explaining them that it is, and they couldn't believe it. They didn't, they didn't never have heard that there was a plaque that tells you the age. So we literally talked about this for the first 10 minutes of the flight. They were like, really? Can you know the age of every aircraft? It's not only on Airbuses. And they asked the pilot. The pilot confirmed, yeah, well, I know. That's <laughs> so really funny. funny. <laughs> But that was really fantastic because he created this great atmosphere between me and that crew. And they even apologized because they said, oh, we're so sorry, sir. This Airbus is so old. <laughs> I'm like, it's eight years old. Yeah. It's not that's, not like, you know, that's so Qatar. They've, right? got, they've got some <laughs> way older ones. Have you ever flown? No, you've never flown Qatar, right? Nope. So somehow I have not. They're business class which is sometimes called first doesn't really matter the business class is two two with you know like very big lounge seats and it's really nice we were only two people out of six possible passengers very interestingly they had on the seat map blocked and i assumed they would be busy but they had blocked row one and we were basically put directly i was on 2a and my fellow other passenger whom i didn't know was in 2 Okay, I guess, the other side. And then I asked, uh, so can I go on row one? Yeah, of course. There was more room for my feet. So I don't know why they do oh, this. Yeah, but they, they It's not the first time it happened. The thing is, it was still Ramadan, you know, the holy month for Muslims. And I know that Qatar as a country is clearly way more strict about that. That is Dubai. The UAE is strict, but Dubai is less strict. So I wasn't sure whether or not they would actually offer me a champagne or well, any kind of yeah. drinks in the flight. You know, and I didn't want to be either impolite about this. I didn't want to be like, hey, well, where's my champagne or something? And she comes and she says, what would you like to drink? Like an open-ended question. Right. And I look at her and I say, um, what do you have? <laughs> like, right. Oh, yeah, that... <laughs> and she goes, uh, yeah, water. And she doesn't mention champagne. So I go, oh, I'll take the you know apple juice or something. I took whatever. We're still on the ground at that point. I went online and actually I learned that Qatar Airways crew is told to not actively mention oh, right. alcohol, but it's there. If you just say it during the month of Ramadan, if you say, I want rosé champagne, to take an example, they will deliver, but they're not actively telling you. They're not mentioning it in their speech during one month. It's very interesting. That take. is interesting. It's a very sensible way of doing it. I thought so too. They, they gave me still the wine list, but Never it was mentioned. But I mean, the rapport was really fantastic. Mm, not exaggerating. These two ladies are probably the best short haul crew I had in the last five years. Wow. Just it was that good. I wanted to use the term endearing. Endearing kind of implies a little bit of condescension that, oh, they're not that good, but they're really, they make it up. It's, That's not yeah. true. They were really, really, really good. It was, the service was absolutely fantastic. I don't know. It just works the way you'd expect. They never like, You know, I was in row one, so I was not supposed to have anything on the seat, you know, in front of me, whatever. They're going to wait until the last minute, taking my little bag and putting it for me up. And then as soon as, as soon as they're up again, they open the bin and they put it exactly wow. where it was before. That kind of attention of to details. So yeah, honestly, it's they're really well trained. How long it's was the flight? Four hours and 30 minutes. So, because yeah, not sure. we're still avoiding Saudi Arabia. Ah. Uh. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 right. You could see on the moving map, right? Going far north and then cutting down. Maybe it's fine because it's a very nice flight. There's um, IFE, but you know, it's the IFE that rises up from the, the armrests. Very snappy. Again, eight years old, but come on, it's fantastic to kind of. No, honestly, really. One of my best, should I said short haul experience? Not because it's four hours, but yeah, it's but a clearly body. it's a narrow body. Yeah. yeah, it's a narrow body. So I land in Qatar, in Doha. I had on purpose chosen not to have a too long of a layover. Guys, I'm going to sound like an alcoholic, but I'm like, not that I wanted to be drinking in Doha, but I'm saying... It's the last day still in the holy month for the Muslim religion of, of Ramadan. So I'm like, I don't know how it's going to be, so I might as well make it quick. So I took a layover, which was only an hour and a half. So I said, you know, I'll land, I run to the next gate and I leave. Because I was like, maybe the experience will be too different and I didn't want to experience it. Because it was either that or other six hours yeah. layover, which I could have done because my meetings in Singapore were late. So I could have done it and just enjoyed the Al Burhan lounge. So I literally went to this lounge, which is the one I keep raving about, mm -hmm. which is super fantastic. I stayed there like, for latte, five minutes, went to my next gate, and oh, wow. that, that was it. Obviously, I couldn't see if anyone was drinking. I'm pretty sure that actually the airport is dry during the month of Ramadan. I don't think there was anything different otherwise, because for instance, in Dubai during the day, maybe you've experienced that, Alex. So the nighttime is a different take than the daytime, guys, if you don't know how Ramadan works. In Dubai, which is a pretty liberal city, you're not even supposed out of courtesy to hold bottles of water in front of other people. Really? That's what I mean here, but I didn't want to stay too long in Qatar because I want to be mindful for the locals, so you'd know, rather just move on to the next aircraft. But no, it seems that the airport was working absolutely normally. There was no different so i was wrong probably dry but other than that it works absolutely perfectly so nice experience i move on i got a notification on my phone that i'm being going from a 350 1000 to a 350 900 in my head i'm like oh crap First of all, I wanted to fly the 350-1000 because it's nice, but I assume that I'm going to go from crew suites to the old seats. Yeah. Old. old yeah, you sent years. me a message uh, <laughs> saying how disappointed you were. And when you go on their website or on their app, you have a 360 view of the seat. Immediately when I sent you that message, I went on the app and the cabin was the old one. And I'm like, oh, uh, disappointed. You know, I wanted to fly the key suite. But no, it was a one-month-old 350-900. It had the keys. Wow. So you got <laughs> super lucky there. Yes. Oh, yeah. Let me mention something. Sorry, I'm going in the wrong order. But we talk often that airports in the Middle East are super modern and very efficient, etc. Yeah. I did all my trips without the paper boarding pass. Everything was on my phone. You go to the duty-free at Doha Airport. You know, they want to scan your boarding pass. They're unable to scan mobile boarding passes at duty free in Doha. Really? <laughs> yeah, I know. Guys, are you sure? They had to enter my entire information on their keyboard. That's weird. And I just wanted to buy mints, by the way. I mean, I was like, God. really? <laughs> so it took five minutes to buy mints. Uh, it's very strange, honestly. And they were like, don't you have your paper boarding pass? I'm like, no. No, because yeah, it's but you 2019. Must have <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so be careful, guys. Back to my Q suite. Uh, estimated time flight, seven hours and 47 minutes. How ironic, 747. You remember 
I flew the 777 Q-Suite last year. It was my first Q-Suite experience. This one is my second one. There are some differences. Maybe I'm wrong, but it feels to me that the door is not as high on the 350 and that there's a gap, you know, like uh, US toilets, you know, <laughs> yeah. gap at the bottom of uh, 20 centimeters. Come on, so it's nothing. But I think it was like a full door on the other one. And this one is, it doesn't really change the experience. I'm just saying there are some adaptations. Did they learn something from the previous model or is it simply because the cabin of a 350 is different? I don't know. Also, the, the tray table is more sensible. It's just a little bit like uh, ANA. It works uh, really, really well. One thing I will say, because there's a door, and that comes back to the point we were talking about Virgin and BA introducing mm -hmm. doors and half doors, I literally cannot remember any crew interaction almost at all. Really? Basically secluded the entire flight. I mean, they served me food. We had a little chat, but I was on my own. So maybe Virgin is right. The interaction with the crew kind of disappears completely. Well, I mean, I guess in some instances that's preferred. You're right, but it's strange because I left the aircraft and I thought I met this flight attendant twice and that was it so it was like oh goodbye and wow. I, I don't know i'm nothing that is negative because you're right in some instances you want to be left alone but it's true that it changes the dynamic and you literally see no one since everybody has a door when you go to the bathroom you have rows of doors and it's as if there's no one in the aircraft it's very strange feeling wow that is kind yeah. of weird i mean i like the when you're when you're watching a movie or you're eating or trying to relax i like that yeah. But when you need something, of course, you know, that that's when you're like, where is everybody? <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, the just after takeoff, when you know when your seatbelt sign is not off, but the crew is already standing, they come and they close the door. And I was like, why did you close the door? I mean I mean I didn't say it, but in my head I was like, I don't need the door closed at this point, it's fine. But they they, they do close that's the door. So they do close all the doors, probably as part of their policy, whatever. But yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah. It creates a very different type of interaction in the plane. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it's very different. I don't seem to have met actually the crew. Whereas in other aircraft, you keep seeing them. You know, you make sometimes eye contact or something. There's nothing like that. Great crew, however, but I literally saw her twice. That's where we were. We met over Wi-Fi, right? You remember? Yeah, that's we were, right. That's you were right. on the 380. I was on 380 back. coming back from Joburg. And I was... And you were uh, over somewhere between over, Qatar and Singapore. Exactly. The Wi-Fi, also no limit, I think. And it was, my God, it was super freaking fast. I was going at download speed 30 and up probably 25. Wow. It was super fast. That's real Wi-Fi. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's you can actually get full day's yeah. work done. BAs with yeah. nothing like that. That's impressive. And they give you one hour for free, and then it's 10 bucks for the entire flight, which is nothing. Very reasonable. They clearly, however, have a file on me. I mean, we, you know, it's always this kind of balance between privacy and convenience, because as they arrive and they give me a pajama, which is also made by the white company. I'm sure well, they have a group, yeah, I'm sure group, that's group discount is. or something. Yeah. BA. <laughs> they give me a pajama, which was the size M. And... No one that sees me because I'm tall, etc., would ever give me a size M right. on the first go. They have somewhere written down that the previous time, somewhere I took a size M, so That's they have funny. a file on me. <laughs> the pajamas was great. I didn't keep them. But honestly, everything on this flight was great. I arrive at Singapore 
Do you know which terminal you usually land at in Singapore? Do you remember? Three, although I can't remember, yeah. to be yeah. completely honest. So I've done them all, but usually I arrive at T1, which is the oldest one. And I arrive there, you know, the usual stuff. You know, Singapore is so efficient. Yeah. And as soon as Such you go past the belts, you know, the luggage belts, and at that point, I'm like, what happened here? And what happened is the jewel. Yeah. So actually, the jewel I didn't realize is integrated into T1. Oh, okay. T- I didn't know that either. T2 and T3, you can either walk or take the little SkyTrain. But T1 jewel is literally there. You go out and then you are into the jewel. It has changed that terminal wow. completely. We're talking, it's like 9 a.m. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go and see the jewel. So yeah. I, I walk and I see. And there's a Tokyo hands. Do you know what Tokyo hands is? Uh, yeah. I, I, have, <laughs> I have a bunch of Tokyo hands. All, that's so cool. That's worth going in and of itself. You guys, it's a Japanese like Arts and store craft for... store, but so much more than that. <laughs> exactly. It's fantastic. They have one there. So I, I walk and I really want to see that fountain we've kept talking about. And, and I walk, I walk, I walk. And in the center, there's that, that. They call it the rain vortex. Insane. It's insane. I, can't I mean, see seeing see it live, you're like, how freaking gigantic this thing is. It's completely, you're like, are you crazy, guys? They <laughs> love it, don't they? I mean, they're so oh good at God. that. I was lucky to go very early in the morning because it was still not full of people because, you know, they really have platforms everywhere to take pictures, everything. The canopy, so the platform view, they have a platform that is very close. It's not open yet. It's on the fifth floor. It will open actually today, June 10th, actually, which is recording June 10th. It opens today, as well as parts of the last floor, which is, you know, mostly food. Yeah. But you have trees, man. You have, it's a jungle. You have trees everywhere. It's just, these guys are insane. I mean, it's fantastic. It's actually a destination. It's actually something, if you're probably a Singaporean, you will go and spend your Sunday there instead of going to Sentosa. It's absolutely insane, man. I can't help to see. experience this. <laughs> and there's one angle on the same uh, perspective. You have tower. <laughs> it's great, man. Wow. <laughs> it looks, it looks. And the sky trains I just mentioned, which are the trains that go from terminal to terminal, they literally pass just next to that uh, vortex, that waterfall, and they slow down when just they so pass. You go, oh, that's exactly. <laughs> are you a Shake Shack fan? I like Shake Shack. Yeah. At 10 a.m. when I was leaving after one hour wandering around. So the shops open at 10 a.m., most of them. Uh, 10 a.m., there was a queue of probably an hour in front of Shake Shack. I don't know. Is that the first one they have in Singapore? I think so. And it's, oh, yeah. it's good, oh. but it's super not worth that. <laughs> yeah, but the queue is like, am I in Japan where they open your stuff? I mean, what? But you know what? As an airport experience, you have early check-ins. If you're on your way out, you can go and you have dedicated check-ins when you can leave. You're not in the airport yet. You're just basically in the mall. It's very well done. It feels like a five-star hotel. You can do your checking there, leave your luggage, and walk around. You have luggage storage facilities. I left my luggage for free when I was walking and came back to pick it up and then leave to Singapore, the actual city. It's really made for an airport experience, either on your way in or you're on your way out. They make it super easy for you not to be encumbered with all your stuff. And you have screens that are, you know, the usual display screens for flights, only that these are touch screens. And you can say, uh, my flight is SQ something and they give you immediately a map where to walk, what to do, how much time you have, where you could check in. I mean, it's... They're <laughs> so good, aren't they? It's just crazy, man. All right. Just, I'm going to yeah. find a way to get there. 
Oh, and one more. If you have a car and you park in the car park, you know, the drill used to be a car park. I guess the car park is below it now. I'm not sure. Oh, that's interesting. If you put, I'm sure other airports have that in the world, but I was drawing out the buttons at a touchscreen. If you put your license plate, it locates exactly where your car is into the car park and how to get there. Of course it does. <laughs> anyway, fantastic stuff. Uh, because it was the end of the early month of Ramadan, you know, Singapore celebrates all the religions. The second day I was there, it was a day off. But the rehearsals of that party were happening whilst I was going into the city. And you had flybys and there was this helicopter that had a flag of Singapore that was probably the size of Switzerland flying <laughs> over Singapore. It was absolutely fantastic. Oh, and I stayed at the new Kempinski. Oh, yeah. Which wants to be the answer to Raffles. Raffles is still under renovation. That's a great hotel, man. You should try it. Uh -huh. um, so then uh, I'm flying back and this time I'm flying with uh, Singapore Airlines first and Eva Air second. That was a very good deal as well. So Singapore, the Dreamliner Dash 10 to Bangkok. I was at the airport at 4.50 a.m. Besides the fact that I hate this security at the gate, again, that airport just works. Yeah. The one thing they should implement is that you have these e-gates for passports. And they say, you know, you can do that if you're a Singaporean, a resident of Singapore, or a registered traveler. And I guess you must be able to... Register somewhere. I wish we could do that with our passport the same way we do in some other airports nowadays. Yeah, it would be much easier. Because I had to wait quite a, quite a while because it was, since it was so early in the morning, it was only one manned booth open. But anyway, it, it worked. So the Dreamliner Dash 10 for Singapore, I know that some of our listeners have flown it. I don't think you've done it. Not from Singapore, no. I've only ever done the 380 and the 777 with them. So that's the new seat. The narrower, like the more normal yeah, seat. Not, not this couch. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's narrow, but it's very well done. You still have a great privacy. I had a 17A, I think, so a true window one. There's a nice padding on both sides, a nice armrest. You can recognize the touches of SQ, the losange type of padding on the seat and on the pillow. The tray, again, a la ANA, there's like dual usb there's a contactless stuff there's the headset oh, is probably the one of the most comfortable headsets i ever had better than the q by the way wow <laughs> the ife is snappy as f the new safety video by singapore is this people walking through all singapore and they are like in a spa and it's super well done it's magnificent the cinematography on that video is it's maybe not fun as some other airlines do it but it's absolutely stunning yeah i mean honestly this airline I'll say this. I hadn't flown them for a year. This is the best airline in the world. Wow. There's just no, yeah. I mean, Cathay is there, but this is I just have, edges it. I, I haven't flown on Singapore Airlines in about four years. I tested the life flight. That I didn't have to. The flight was supposed to be two hours and a half, but actually we did it in 140. So wow. there was no time to sleep. Even as someone told us me, I would sleep fine. The cubicle is wide. It's roomy. Lots of space. I would even say... I love the queue from Qatar. It's one of the best seats in the world. The queue from Qatar, from someone tall, I hurt my knees every single time I fly the queue. I touch my knees on yeah. something. In this, it's just bliss. Oh, I, I gotta try it. <laughs> it's just, it just bliss, man. One thing I did is I destroyed the overhead bin uh -oh. um, without uh, wanting to. I put my bag, and you know the Dreamliners have the motor, the engine in the bins. Oh, to yeah. To sort of like an assisted... Help you. Yeah. Yes. Well, I just pushed it too hard, and then the engine simply wouldn't stop. 
who were texting. It was, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so sorry, Singapore Airlines. Don't ban me for flying with you guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they don't give you an amenity kit, but I guess for an hour and 40 minutes, come on, it just makes sense. The Wi-Fi, however, man, I mean, they give you 30 megabytes. I don't it's even to try it. Don't give anything. No. And you can link your um, phone to your seat Thank and you. control Oh yeah, the, the IFE. It's pretty cool. It is cool. I didn't do it. They give you like a pairing code, you know, I guess Bluetooth, I guess it would be. Mm. Or maybe it's the contactless. I didn't try it, but uh, I mean, no, they're good, man. The crew was fantastic. The food was fantastic. Man, I don't know what to say. I mean. They've really they, done it uh, themselves proud shit. recently and they've, they've turned it around completely. Singapore Airlines is just. It's important to say that because then move on to the next flight. Yes, ever, so I'm ever, looking ever, forward to doing that. Just one last thing on Singapore. Singapore announced more reason for you to fly it. Every single business class in their fleet will be live flight by next year. Wow. They're just they're throwing go. everything at this. And even Silk Air. Oh, wow. They're integrating Silk Air more into their own company, and they want to have live flight on Silk Air as well. <sighs> well they're going to be hard to compete with, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, almost impossible. I learned as well when I was in Singapore that there's also some kind of a first terminal Unlike, for instance, Lufthansa, when you have to be first to go there, you can pay. It's not cheap, but you can pay and have meet and greet, personal immigration, cars to the aircraft. No matter the airline, it doesn't have to be private, it could be commercial. It clearly, it mustn't be very cheap, but you can do that at Singapore, Changi. Just go no. completely baller. <laughs> it's called Jet Quay. Yeah, Jet Quay. And uh, clearly, when I was taking off from Singapore, they clearly are building the new part of Shanghai. Man, this is huge. Yeah, you're the pictures that you posted on Instagram were something else. I mean, they had a third runway, which was military use when the airbase was. So the airbase is now somewhere else. The runway has now finished to being augmented to become a full runway. There's still no taxiway to go back. So it's still not in use, but they've already renamed the runway. And this big area of reclaimed land is full construction. I went online to look at it. It will be a terminal for Singapore, 50 million passenger. I mean, it's it's like 10 times the size of the, the others. I mean, it looks super huge. Huge man. They will go a little bit, I guess, like a lot of airports do nowadays, like Heathrow, you know, there will be, I guess, B, C, D, there'll right. be multiple buildings, I guess, with um, underpass and, right, and right. everything. Right, right. A bit like T5. Yeah, but man, I mean, I don't know, just massive. Have you ever visited Kalang, the old airport in Singapore? No, I haven't. So you guys can see the, the building. It's an architectural landmark. It's next to the stadium. The stadium used to be the runway, actually, so you cannot see the runway anymore. You cannot go into the building. It's a building from the 1930s. Oh, beautiful. And Alex, it's up for rental. Uh-oh. We, yeah, we need to move our HQ there, and <laughs> we'll be in an airport in Singapore. Just saying. Yeah, why not? <laughs> so then, uh, Evair. So, Kyle, I think it was Kyle, a listener who wrote us a few episodes ago. We have to fly Eva. It's better than Singapore business. Strong words. No. Uh-oh. In a nutshell, no. <sighs> it's hard for me because after having that kind of high expectations, I was expecting, honestly, to have, I don't know, a seat that is the size of my office or something. Yeah. Although I have like something that was completely out of the ordinary to be better than Singapore. When we're talking Singapore Cafe, we're talking the best airlines in the world. It's yeah. really hard to beat. No. No. Yeah, no. I mean, Bangkok, they have a fantastic land, which looks like, you know, the, the chain, the W, the mm. W Hotels. I'm not a big fan 
to be frank, of the W hotels. It feels like you're in a nightclub, basically. Uh, so yeah. that's the lounge. But the lounge has one feature that you will enjoy. That's pizza. Uh, what? Three sorts of pizzas. Wow. So you've... Okay. So <laughs> we'll add that to the li- that, very yeah. small list of pizza-providing lounges. The Ever Air Evergreen Lounge has double pepperoni pizza, bacon super delight, and veggie pizza. And it was 9 a.m., man. I tried the three of them. I wanted to try them. And they're very, very good. The nice. actual pizza. Man, oh, man, very, very happy. I enter Ever Air, and it's a triple seven three hundred ER, probably around twelve years old. First of all, I didn't know that Eva was flying not only Bangkok to Amsterdam, which was the route I was doing, but also Bangkok to London. I didn't realize that they were doing these types yeah. of routes, but that was great for me to try them. Look, you remember when I talked about Asiana, and I said that everything was a bit rushed; it was a bit sometimes robotic. Robotic, yeah. Same. Same, 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 same. You enter the flight, I'm putting my stuff, etc. In the first four minutes, I'm not kidding, in the first four minutes, she had asked me if I wanted a juice or water. She gave me the towel. She gave me a chocolate. I don't know why. She gave me pajamas. I got the menu. She asked me immediately, not even 30 seconds, what kind of uh, food I wanted. I'm like, I'm still, I haven't even like put my stuff in the storage next to the seat. Right? And we're talking super fast. I'm like, okay, uh, let me take a look at the menu. This pretty nice menu. I choose my options. She takes the menu off my hands and leaves. Really? No, we're still boarding. And they did that not only with me, with everyone. They asked me in advance, because I was also the wine list. We're talking about 11 hours flights, guys. Yeah. In advance, all the drink choices I wanted for the rest of the flight. Uh. And then took everything away from me. Well, that's just bizarre. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, so meaning later in the flight when I wanted to switch and I said I want to try another wine, can I say the other white? Because I couldn't remember what. And she wouldn't even at that point bring me the menu back for me to take a look at. It was not out of being mean. The customer service is just isn't there for that. They are very process-based. Literally, I'm not kidding. The first four minutes, she had done everything that she would have usually done in one hour in other flights. And I was like, okay. That's so strange. And it's a day flight. You know, it's not even a flight where you want to sleep 10 hours of the 11, right. you know, and so they would go fast, like we said about my cafe going from San Francisco to to Hong Kong. Man, I, I, I didn't get it. 11 and 30 minutes flight since she was so so fast. It's, I, I, I mean... Sounds like a just... missed opportunity. <laughs> it was a bit abrupt because it was rushed, but they, let's be honest, they were very polite, very nice, very kind. They were not overly friendly. I said it a lot about Asian airlines, sometimes a bit too process-based, mm-hmm. but I mean, come on, compared to Cathay and not even talking about Singapore, no comparison whatsoever. Wow. The seats are very similar to the ones you have on Cathay Pacific uh, Business Class. They're not older. They're probably the same generation. They're a little bit less fancy and also less modern compared to Cathay Pacific. Probably a bit tighter, including the, the cubicle, but still very comfortable to fly. They give you a, a cover which acts as the, the mattress right. and then a duvet, which is very nice as well. The pajamas are also very nice. So I mean, the level is there. You know, they offer you pajamas. Not every airline offers you pajamas in, in business class. The headsets were really nice. The Wi-Fi, for instance, is there. We're talking about 12-year-old aircraft. So they are really actually putting all the right bits and pieces. Right. It's just that the service doesn't follow. It's, it's disappointing. It's, what was very uh, interesting as well is that they run ads when we're taxiing. <laughs> For, on the IFE. for third parties or for themselves? For third parties, for stuff you can buy on the duty-free stuff. 
Well, <laughs> Etsy had to do that, but it's more like yeah. for business parks and stuff like that. Oh, well. The Wi-Fi was $30 for 300 megabytes. I still did it because after a while, I was so freaking bored because it was a day flight. It works pretty well. It's not Qatar, but it works pretty well. I mean, the rest of the experience is okay, man. I, I probably, if I didn't have had that expectations, I would have liked it far more. But if I give a ranking, you have Singapore Cafe, very high. Then you have Emirates, Qatar, probably ANA and JAL. And then ASEAN and then this. Wow. So that's, yeah. Probably this is to Cate, what Thai is to Singapore. It probably Thai is better than ever. But I mean, it's, it's okay. But uh, they try to do the right stuff, but they don't know how. You know, some airline says, do you want to taste the wine? So I'm like, okay, I want to taste the wine. Then she fills my glass fully and asks me to taste it. I'm like, yeah, but you're just busy to give me a full glass. Right. You still want me to taste it. <laughs> what if you don't then, like it? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's just not there yet. I, I don't know how to explain that. So, just doesn't. It's no. They don't read you. I, I don't know. So like, interesting. Man. Like during the whole flight. So they do the service. They give you the food. And then it seems that they disappear. There's no one. And uh, I don't like that. then I try to get a coffee. And I'm fine. I'm like, what the hell are they? And I find someone. And the coffee takes 15 minutes to arrive, which is no problem. Because sometimes you have to reheat the machine or whatever. But you compare that to a Singapore or an Emirates when you ask for a coffee and it comes on a tray with a biscuit or yep. cookie or yep. chocolates. No, none of that. And, and and the food, the food was okay. I mean, more than okay. It was Chinese influenced or Chinese, really good food. I couldn't just remember what I was eating because I didn't have the menu. You remember, they had removed that after four minutes in the pre-flight <laughs> procedures. I couldn't know what I was eating. The whole thing, the tray was well presented, very Chinese as well, but very nice. But it felt so Russian. I wasn't enjoying any of this. You know, for such long flights, 11 hours, you have a run of snacks usually. They had one single run of snacks, only crisps, which, which is okay. And then... They disappeared and there was no snacks left, you know, in a galley or elsewhere as they do, like bars in, in brackets, nothing like that. Uh, I wasn't hungry. I was just stretching my legs and, and seeing that there was absolutely nothing and no one either in the two cabins of the, um, the business class. There's no first. It, I don't know. It, it, it felt empty. It felt as if I was left by myself. I felt as alone as in the, the Q suite, only that I didn't have a door, but just that there was no one. <laughs> and when we landed, another example, when we landed, I mean, we had some food, which was strangely enough some kind of breakfast but we're landing at seven i mean it didn't make any sense but anyway um you know you have the pre-landing procedures you know seat upright tray etc you know the blinds and they were still saying that pa announcement and she came all over me i was watching a movie without addressing me without looking at me she just bent over me opened my two blinds which i was about to open you know me guys i would not just leave them closed she just quickly opened them, you know, blocking the view of the movie. I didn't care. It's fine. I can go back to see the movie. But I was like, uh, okay. Every other airline I've been to, they will say, oh, please, sir, can you open the blinds or something like that? Or just make a sign. You know, I, I always remove my headphones with a, with a flight attendant is looking at me. I mean, guys, really... We're talking very entitled here. Like, I don't want a chocolate with my, my coffee, but it's not... It's, it's, I was expecting something amazing. Yeah. 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 It, wow, that's disappointing to hear. It is. I wouldn't go out of my way to fly them again. No, I was just going to say that. So that sounds uh, like uh, I shouldn't go out of my like, way. Uh, yeah. It's probably lack of training. Maybe it's a bit cultural, but it's probably not lack of training. Not training done in what they should do. Like, pay a little bit more attention to details. Like, they have the tray. There's sparkling water and normal water. They only serve you normal water. They don't ask you, would you like still a sparkling? 
So they start serving me and they're like, can I have the sparkling? And then she takes my glass off without saying anything, puts some sparkling water. Uh, why is it to me to see that there's a bottle of San Pellegrino right there? And yeah. then I had to ask, you know, it's just, it's, I don't know. That, that sounds like a common sense, man. Cult, just, cult, service culture thing. But they were, again, do not misread me, guys. They were very kind, very nice, very polite. They're not overly friendly, but I felt, you know, Japan Airlines and ANA can be sometimes process-based, but you have a rapport. Asiana is closer to this. There's a lack of rapport. I was trying to make a chit-chat, to, to smile in. I'm very engaging. Nothing. <sighs> okay, I'll, I'll say that. Maybe it was my only flight in Air. Maybe I was unlucky. Maybe there's other flights that are amazing and I just miss out. And But yeah, well, as a brand, they didn't get me. Wow. <laughs> anyway, I didn't want to be obnoxious thinking that I should be treated as royalty. That's not the point. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's, yeah. So my highlights on these flights were clearly the Qatar Airways 320, the Singapore Airlines uh, seven eight thousand the qr350 with the q suit was a good flight but was more normal but that one ever air no I'm, i don't think i'll fly them again wow Man, that's yeah. such a disappointing i'm i'm so disappointed to hear that i am too oh well okay there you go uh i arrived in amsterdam i did some work with booking.com that was fascinating i, uh, I wish i could tell you more they have some ex-google people so it's interesting ex-google travel people that's fascinating but i'm nda so i cannot say anything on this podcast but it was great to work with guys like those and let's do two three little feedbacks and then we'll go to the airport because Alex has to go very soon on Instagram at underscore 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 siege underscore 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 sent us a picture since we talked about pizza uh, at Eva Harris sent us the pizza in BA I think we mentioned in the last episode as the landing snack it looks actually pretty good because yeah. I've never seen it did you try pizza in one of your flights no yeah yeah I, I, oh on, you did on frequent yeah it's fine I never know when Alex says it's fine if it's good or not yeah um, no, it's good S 6587 on Twitter he's very happy that you've been to Toronto you would like to take you out for a meal but to, to now you're back in London so I'll definitely be going back I just I really dug that city he says that Air Canada Transformer I guess that's the name of a lounge they have pizza ah, so uh, that's nice um, a trend Yes. Michael Lepa at Rollofunk on Twitter, long-time listener, said that Finnair is also launching a whiskey. So we said last episode that BA was doing one. Finnair is doing Very one for trendy. their 100 years. But you know what? Maybe they're smarter. The 100 years of Finnair are coming up. They're not today. So basically, Finnair is now maturing the whiskey that will be delivered when they are 100. Whereas Sensible. BA, <laughs> yeah, BA is not going to be like in 10 years or 12 years. Made with Kiro Distillery. And you can see the maturing process in the lounge. That's a good idea. Shout out to Haley at Haley Scotty on Twitter. She wrote about Diet Coke and the fizz after listening to a podcast on the national.ae, which is a paper in the UAE. So thank you, Haley, so much. We're making the headlines now, Alex. So because of Diet Coke. My pleasure. <laughs> And uh, I'll finish, because I think I need to mention it, with my flight from Amsterdam to London after the thing I did a booking, because I stayed seven hours in the airport yesterday, man. There were huge winds over Europe, so mm. there was a lot of delays due to the winds. Then there was the Queen's Birthday Parade. Yeah, in, uh, the Trooping oh, of the Color, yeah. So they closed Heathrow, I think, for 20, 25 minutes to allow for the red arrows to fly over London. So that was an added delay, which is fine. I'm all for it. So my flight is delayed by two hours at that point. It's okay, you know, I'm in Amsterdam, it's Good 
Terminal Airport to, to stay at and yeah. wait for. I was to the Heineken bar. Our flight arrives, and uh, suddenly I see the pilot coming out of the aircraft, which is very rare, and taking the microphone. I'm like, why? Wow, the pilot is talking yeah, to the gate. Well, we were hit by lightning. We need to make some checks. I'm like, oh, shit. Ten minutes later, we apologize. Our plane is too badly damaged. We won't be taking off. Our, the flight is canceled. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen an aircraft hit by lightning that cannot... What? Wow. No, no. I, I was really surprised uh, because usually it just goes in and out. So it must have done some pretty substantial damage for them to cancel the flight. Which meant that you need to go to ticketing. And if you know Amsterdam Airport, ticketing is maybe five kilometers away because you have mm-hmm. to get all the way out... Everybody starts running. I do as well. And then I said, I'm not going to be probably the first one because I have luggage and some people have nothing. I call BA. Thank God I'm an executive gold card member. Can you give me on the next one? Yeah, you got the last seat. <laughs> Interestingly, one of the things that I learned on, on this flight is that the American Airlines app is outstanding, but all of that stuff is done via the app. Exactly. I was... I was thinking that, why can I just press a button, choose my alternative option yep. directly on the app? It should be done there. Yeah, that's that's absolutely how it should be. Literally every single other person on the flight that was supposed to be on that got canceled didn't get a seat. Uh, and just because maybe I used to, I called and I also got fast track because I have access to this line. Well, I got the seat and no one else got it. So it was the last flight to London, the one I got. So everybody basically said there. I had still, and that's another thing that Lufthansa would do it. I couldn't get the new boarding pass. I had to walk back to check-in, not ticketing, but check-in, just to print a boarding pass. And I saw they had this big stack of vouchers for hotels. So that, that gave me the... <laughs> too bad. So, uh, YYZ. YYZ. Why was he? And why, why, why is he? So how was that? Did you like it as an airport? Yeah, it's it's okay. It's uh, it's well connected. It's well organized. Both of my flights arrived and departed on time, even though we were on this this weird remote gate. And I do love the fact that you can go through American Immigration and Customs there in Toronto, which just makes That's the awesome, whole process yeah. easier. Yeah. And then you actually you go to this separate terminal, which is just for american flights and it's small and i think there's probably nine gates but there was a small american airlines lounge that was fine and right next to it was a plaza premium lounge you've got all that and yeah coming in was a bit of a pain in the butt it's not a superb airport by any stretch of the imagination but it's 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 functional you can get into town using the union pearson express train which takes you right right to Union Station in the, in the middle of downtown Toronto in about 25 minutes. And it's got Wi-Fi and it's a big, comfortable Amsterdam-style train. So very, very easy. Lots lots to look at on the ramp. If you get a, a good vantage point, there's a lot of different uh, reasonably unusual airlines. The Emirates flight was there when was taxiing with us, as well as lots of Chinese airlines, Cathay, you know, and then these... These uh these airlines that go up into northern Canada that are half cargo half half passenger with the old seven thirty sevens which is kind of cool to see but yeah it's a it, it's fine it's a functional clean very Canadian airport <laughs> <laughs> you would do a layover I would yeah because you can get into town so easily it didn't feel and I only had uh, access to a little bit of it of course it didn't feel as big as Vancouver Airport but I'm very sure that can't be the case because it's you know, Toronto is the economic hub of Canada, so and a quarter of the country's population live there. So I'm yeah. sure it's just because I I was accessing it a little bit. And there's there's two terminals. There's Terminal One, 
and Terminal 3. There's no Terminal <laughs> 2 because it was absorbed into Terminal 1 about oh, 12 years ago. So it's uh, it does kind of exist and then it doesn't exist. But yeah, so... <laughs> if you have a ticket for Terminal, terminal 2... Terminal 3, you're, you're not mean... going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Somebody sold you a fake ticket. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's cool. It's a, it's, it's a fine airport. I'm, I'm already looking forward to going back to Toronto and exploring it a little bit more. I think you, you went back to um, Billy Bishop, the other Toronto airport, We right? did, yeah, because we took a flight with Toronto Helitors in one of their Robinson 44s, and they are based out of Billy Bishop, which is, as I've talked about in a previous episode, such a wonderful airport. They now have the walkway open, so you can walk from downtown Toronto underneath this waterway to the island that Billy Bishop is on, and you're, you pop right out there in the terminal, and and away you go. And the helicopter goes from the general aviation ramp, which is just this little corner of the airfield, and up and away we went over over downtown. That's very cool. And uh, because I think, yeah, YYZ has, what, five runways? It's massive. It's huge. It's, a very, it's huge. I think I've read it. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it is one, if not the airport, with the most international destinations at least in north america he has more than 160 international destinations gfk has maybe 130 so it is really like a gateway to pretty much yeah everywhere. it's you the said you, you second busiest and... international airport in the americas whatever that means okay um, oh. and that's by far the well so it's the it is the biggest and busiest airport in canada then yeah so and why 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 z so we i think we we had that story many many times very right? early so, on yeah right so why the first why because under IATA rules, every single airport in Canada starts with Y. Yeah. I don't even know why that rule is, by the way, but that's all the airports in Canada, the major ones start with Y. Hence, for instance, Vancouver is YVR, which also means, yes, very rainy, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but YYZ, I think YZ was it not like a meteor? Yeah, a weather station. station yeah. Weather station or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, That's I think that's... But that still doesn't explain why that... Meteor Station was called YZ, but that's how it is, YYZ. Why not YTO, for instance, is because, as we just mentioned, there are other airports in Toronto. There's Billy Bishop, but there's also another municipal airport like Buttonville, I think. So YTO is a code for Toronto Metro, if you want. Like LON is for London, covering all the airports in London. So YTO. And the Y, from what I remember, the Y, the second Y was whether or not the reporting weather station was also at an airport. And yeah, W like was, yes. it wasn't an U, so for Montreal, Y-U-L, right? And Calgary is Y-Y-C, so maybe that's... Yeah, yeah. also so had y, a... Yeah. Uh, something, uh, something, it had like a navigational beacon or something like that. But I'm sure somebody will, will let us know. In Ottawa is Y O W. Yeah, I think. Yeah, 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 I think you're right. Fascinating. If anyone knows why IATA said at the start that all airports in Canada should be starting with Y, because no one says that all airports in, I don't know, France has to start with F. Right. right. F would even make sense because it's that's France. It? I have no idea. Uh, at some point, I think, by the way, don't you think that they will have to go for four letters? Because Eventually. they're going to probably run out of letters in these IATA code names, uh, yeah. probably. What are your next flights, man? I'm going to New York in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. So looking forward awesome. to that. Yep, on American. Oh, I can. No, wait. They're on British Airways back on American. Okay. I don't know if we will record before that or after. We'll see, depending on our schedules. As for me, I'm going to Geneva and probably to Istanbul as well before our next recording and other stuff coming up. But Alex has to go his very important duties probably flying an aircraft somewhere <laughs> he doesn't want to tell me <laughs> happy travels all right man safe travels guys 